The information presented in this podcast is intended to be for entertainment and educational purposes only. It should never be used in place of advice given by a mental health or medical professional or as a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, please seek professional help. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fangirl Business. I'm Catherine. And I'm Krisha. And today, my wayward friends, to to quote a chapter in one of my very favorite Destiel fanfics, at last, pie. <laughs> yes. Today, we are going to talk about all things Destiel and... I'm so excited that, well, there's going to be a lot of screaming. So (laughs) buckle in. (laughs) Here we go. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I can't believe it happened. I can't. I can't. I can't believe that it happened. (laughs) My hope was gone. It was gone. My catastrophic thinking was really intense. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to bro pal their way through, and then Cass is going to die, and then I'm, you know, my my show's going to, you know, not be my show anymore, and I'm going to be sad and hate everything. Yeah, I was... My whole thing was, like, Cass is going to die, and Dean's going to be like, okay, We'll fight on for Cass. And that would be like the last thing that we would ever hear about Cass. Like that was where my brain went. No, no. I mean, we talked about it in the last episode, but like all through that end scene between the two of them, I kept expecting it to pivot. Like because it was like getting more and more intense and like it was getting more and more surreal for me as a viewer because like I I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. And I was like, okay, it's got to pivot. It's got to pivot. There's going to be a bro. There's going to be a pal. There's going to be a, you know, buddy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love you like a brother. Brother. Thanks, brother. (laughs) And instead we got, I love you, Dean. (sighs) He... (laughs) Cass said that the thing that I want, I know I can never have. I know! And I felt something in my brain... Like, like, snap. <laughs> yes. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I just, you know, like I'm sobbing, right? I'm like, which is just an involuntary response at this point. It's just sort of happening. And like, in my head, I'm like, he, he didn't. D- what? Because, again, I had, I'm not saying like I had low faith. I had none. I had like resigned myself to bro-palling our way out of here. Oh, yes. And so when he looked at him and said that what I want, I know I can never have, which is the fanfickiest of fanficky tropes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was like. It was like a- 
is actually happening on my television. This is stuff that I read. These are not words on a screen on my cell phone, like with me, like sitting in bed in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, like reading fanfic to help me get to sleep. This is like, this is words. I'm hearing them. I'm seeing the expressions on Dean's face and on Cass's face. And, and then it just like, but it was like so much that it, I feel like I was like Dean. I feel. <laughs> yes. I blue screened. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I, was, I feel like I was like, error does not compete. <laughs> like the whole way through the scene. <laughs> and, and, and like, I was literally, I know I said this in the last episode that we, that we recorded, but I was literally shouting at my television screen <laughs> going, no, no, no. Like, because I couldn't, like everything he said, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Well, like the the only thing that my brain was doing was because it like could not process. I was just like, huh? was saying, <laughs> well, but how how are they gonna bro pal their way out of that? <laughs> it was, like the assumption that they were going to continued all the way through. <laughs> like it was not until I love you. Then I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> and even then, I'm like, wait, can that be spun? Like, still, like, I don't think so. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> Waiting for Dean to be like, I love you too, brother. <laughs> just there i'm so sorry <laughs> i totally meant to swear but that's fine there are some things that need that need sweariness but um so okay so i have to just like up front sort of say we're gonna be digging into this for like years so this is like yeah so we paused in our recording session so we could go and watch that last ending bit again which is why I'm like mopping crap off my face again. <laughs> and I like I want to dissect every word that every character spoke, right? Like like Billy and and Dean and Cass and I just like every I want to talk about like every blocking detail and lighting detail and every like everything. I want to talk about everything. Mhm. Uh-huh. It's a finite space that we find ourselves in. So, what? I guess I just want <laughs> to. People on Twitter keep saying, like, give us all the raw audio. We'll listen to it. I don't know that you guys know what you're asking for, but um, <laughs> we really could talk for six hours. Yeah, that's true. That. So, I mean, do we want to start with, like, Sam and Eileen, since that's such a parallel? Yeah, well. To set it up. It was interesting because when I looked back at it, there are actually two parallels to what happened with Dean and Cass in this end scene. Yeah. There was Stevie and Charlie. Mm-hmm. 
and there was Sam and Eileen. Mm-hmm. So you've got both a lesbian couple and a heterosexual couple who are paralleling these two men. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, so let's just talk about Stevie and Charlie for a second. Mm-hmm. I thought that Stevie looked super familiar. Mm-hmm. She's from the early bits of the season, right? She was at the ghost apocalypse. She is. She was mm-hmm. introduced by Bobo in the rupture. Mm-hmm. She's the one that brought in the owl skull to Rowena mm-hmm. as part of the spell. And so we'd seen her. She had blonde hair at that point. So mm-hmm. she she looked a little different this time around because she had dark hair. But it was, it was her. So I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so... First of all, I just want to squee a little bit at the fact that Bobo gave Charlie a love interest. The trick? Low flame. Don't rush him. Not too runny, not too dry. Excuse me. What did I say about guns at the table? The weapons table is all the way in the other room, and I love watching you cook. Hey, I thought we could hit up that hideout after the sun goes down. Three to four shifters, perfect size for just us. So, like a date? Yeah, like a date. Oh my God. Told ya. Well, how are they like this? Wow. Oh. Why have I been eating rubbery trash eggs my whole life? And that, yeah. he obviously like introduced her with that in mind at the beginning of the season. So that's one of those threads that got picked back up mm-hmm. because I remember seeing Stevie's character and going, she seems cool. I wish like, mm-hmm. yeah, I wish we could see more of her, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and then we never saw her again. And I was like, Oh, well, <laughs> and here she is in, in this third to last episode as Charlie's love interest. And one of the things that Charlie says, I said, I wasn't going to do this again. The love thing. What have we heard from both Sam and from Dean? Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this whole love thing again. It's just, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and then Charlie says, And the second I let my guard down, Stevie is just, she's gone. Yeah. So there's that parallel. Like, yeah. literally, Eileen's gone. Cass is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the the Sam and Eileen parallel which has been going on all season. <laughs> I mean, it, like we've talked about it. We talked about it for episodes and episodes of the parallels so that were going on. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they literally could not have made it any clearer. But for me at my lowest, I just assumed that it was like, Hey guys, we can't give you Dusty L. So we're going to parallel it with Sam and Eileen who we can give you. So just, yes. like, pretend that that's what you're getting over there. And I was like, that sucks, but okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Fine. Yeah, and, like, maybe we should talk a little bit about, just briefly, like, it's not all up to the writers and the showrunners what right. makes it on air. Absolutely. Like, there, there are limitations of the studio, the network in terms of like where they air things 
there can be restrictions on what kind of content is is getting out mm-hmm. or they're willing to put out. And so that makes it a very complicated matter when you are advocating for LGBTQ representation, especially I think on like legacy shows on older shows mm-hmm. that are that are international too. I mean, that's the yes. thing. It's not just American. They have markets for Supernatural all over the world. And as we know, markets all over the world are not nearly as open about LGBTQ representation. So it, it can limit financially where this season is allowed to go. Things like that. Yes. So Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of the time showrunners and writers get villainized for choices that are made in terms of what's going to be representation and what's not and what's going to make it on air and what's not. And I think it's a lot more complicated than is often acknowledged. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Well, because that's where subtext comes from, to be able to tell queer stories without it being front and center. That's been a huge part of getting any kind of representation in mainstream media so you know that's that's such a big part of the reason we started talking about subtext because it is important yes that's right and and but we're not making a subtext episode anymore because it's not subtext (laughs) (laughs) that's right yes we don't have to make subtext things anymore can i just Let's just revel in that for a second. Okay. Because <laughs> we agonized, man. Like, we were like, is this oh, going to be controversial? Talking about Dusty L is such a thing and people don't like it. And are we going to be villainized? And are we going to get hate? And, you know, it was such an an agonizing decision to decide, like, no, it's important. And, and we need to validate it for other yeah. people. Exactly. And I think like part of the concern was we didn't want to exclude people. We didn't want to, you know, so there was, there was a lot of different reasons why we really struggled with this. And we originally went with it because we kept feeling that the subtext was becoming just more and more just text. Uh (laughs) And that was Hmm. the impetus for us making the decision to start having these episodes that were talking about Destiel, that were talking about teen and, and Cass and romance and the story within a story just for us that was being told. And now it's not a story just for us. It's the story. <laughs> Krisha. Oh, no. It's the story. It it's just is. the story. It's just the text it's it's the it's the story and now it and now it all like retroactively is no longer subtext it's no! just text it's all, it's just, all text. just a love story God. just the slow burniest of love stories <laughs> ever 12 years in the making oh my gosh <laughs> Oh, man. Like, the um, only reason that I am not actively sobbing is because I think there's genuinely no more moisture, like, in my head. Like, I think that, I think it's just, like, I feel like I need to hydrate because there's just, <laughs> I just can't. All right, we have to talk about the scene first, and then we can talk about the implications. But, you know, okay, let's, yes. let's talk about the actual thing. 
because I gotta tell you, I was pretty stoked with just. Oh, I've got you. I know. I'm like, I have that in my notes. <laughs> How low are my standards that I'm like, oh, they gave us that. <laughs> no, no, but like, Krisha, my brain immediately went to. I wonder if that was the thing that Cass said to Dean when he found him finally after all of the battles in hell. Catherine! Oh, God! I've got you. (laughs) There might be some more moisture up here after all. Hold on. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like, literally, those are the noises that I made when mm-hmm. my brain realized and made that. You know the the art piece that was released recently that I believe was Geo? It was Dean's perspective in hell seeing Cass. Yes! Yes! That was Geo. <laughs> that was Geo Glee who did our... <laughs> I got you. For those who don't know, there's this exquisite new piece of art by Gio Gui, and she's on Twitter at, at G-I-O underscore G-U-I, and she's the one that did our logo, mm-hmm. and it's this incredible shot of hell looking up from the perspective of Dean, and his hand is reaching out, mm-hmm. and you can see Cass in the distance just like dive bombing towards him with his wings like spread out and his hand reaching and like his eyes are just blazing with grace and it's freaking incredible man and it was powerful enough without i've got you ringing in my head now so yeah we'll post it because everybody should see it it's yes yes so you know so we have billy coming down the hallway she's not she's not doing so well and which that reminded mm. me that was a whole throwback and I felt like call out to when Sam was getting stalked through the bunker by Dean when he was yeah. Dean and Dean yeah and like where he had the hammer and he was mm-hmm. like the same energy for sure it did it did but Billy whoosh, she was fierce and and she just let it all out right so all of this like we knew she liked rules you know for mm-hmm. a moment of so, I guess this is the part where I say, hello, boys. Hello, boys. Because she's going to follow <laughs> the rules, right? <laughs> yes. So all of that, she knows she's dying. So all of that judgment that she's been just like maintaining for... The Winchesters, but I think Dean specifically, is coming out, right? So all of his chaos and disorder and it's unnatural and he needs to just give in and just a... Embrace the sweet release of death. Oh, jeez. Yikes. <laughs> well, and yeah. how, like, we're talking about Dean, who's been suicidal since forever because he doesn't <sighs> think he's good enough. And so mm. it's every insecurity that he has that she is just putting out there. It's you, Dean. It's always been you. Ah, 
defying, rule-breaking. You are everything I lived to set right, to put down, to tame. You are human disorder incarnate. And her pull on him is his heart, mm-hmm. you know? So that one was pretty direct, I guess. But you know, okay, but this was the part... <laughs> you bring up she's got a grip on his heart this was the part that just made me go oh, oh, oh my god like I was already I was already freaking out at this part mm-hmm. Cass puts up the the ward which is his sigil mm-hmm. it's his name mm-hmm. and then he says yeah we're blunt her grip on you And so, like, they're echoing the language. I'm the one who gripped you tight and raised you from perdition. Uh-huh. Like, I have blunted her grip on you. I'm the one who gri- like. Yeah, your heart belongs to me. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, uh-huh. all of this is still subtext at this point, right? <laughs> like. And I'm having a field day with it. Like, I'm going, okay, yeah, we have stuff we can talk about. Like, ooh, yes, this is really exciting. Like, mm. ooh, I can't wait to talk to Krisha about this. And then <laughs> and then it keeps building, right? Like, it keeps mm-hmm. building because Dean gives a speech. He says, I just let us into another trap. Oh, because I... I couldn't hurt Chuck. Because I was angry, and because I just needed something to kill, and because that's all I know how to do. Everybody's gonna die, Cass. Everybody. I can't stop it. And I was going, oh my gosh, the parallels to the trap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know why I get so angry. I just know that, I know that it's, it's just always been there. And when things go bad, it just, it comes out. And I, I, can't, I can't stop it. No matter how, how bad I want to, I just can't stop it. And here he's talking about his anger. Because I was angry, everybody's going to die. Yeah. So he's taking it all. Yeah, like I've I've literally destroyed the world with my anger or because I, I couldn't handle myself mm-hmm. just bearing the entire responsibility for the entire situation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. So I just can't stop it. And then he says, I'm sorry. In both both of these speeches i'm sorry and in one he's asking for forgiveness and saying he's sorry to Cass for for his anger over Cass's role with jack and what happened with mary mm-hmm. and here he's he's saying he's sorry that everyone is going to die yeah. so it's this really like the parallels between the two things the callbacks the echoes were just like my my head was just going whoa like bobo 
And again, it's just within the course of a couple of lines. To be able to do that, to pick up on key phrases that you know people have listened to that episode, Mm -hmm. watched that speech, that prayer scene from the trap over and over and over again, you know that they're going to pick up on the key phrases and, and hear those echoes and reflect back to that previous moment of vulnerability and pain and confession and you know that it was this big turning point and that's going to enrich the experience of the now so to know that as a writer to be able to do that as a writer that is just again masterful storytelling Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're not just creating new you're intentionally creating resonances with past moments that are going to bring additional layers of nuance and emotion to the current moment. So I was like feeling all of those things as a viewer mm-hmm. and all of those resonances and just and just going, oh, oh, okay, like this is it. so it's still building, right? It's still building. Mm-hmm. And then Cass starts to speak. Oh boy. So let's get into the let's get into what Cass said. Well actually before that Real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's the, the quick little minute that I didn't actually pick up on the first time I saw it, where to get the blood for the sigil, Cass <laughs> yes. gets the knife out of Dean's pocket, which is... His back pocket. So intimate. Yes. Well, okay, so the blocking on that shot was also a gift, but... <laughs> um, I see you, Rich. <laughs> For anyone who might have missed it, <laughs> Dean is like hunched over in pain and Cass is standing behind him and he just reaches down and there's a quick shot of him reaching into Dean's back pocket on his jeans and uh, pulling out the knife. Because he knows exactly where Dean keeps his weapons, so he can go exactly there. Just like he knew where he kept his whiskey flasks in Mm -hmm. the random filing cabinet, just like somebody else pointed out on Twitter, he knew where Dean kept his handcuffs in in the backpack that they Uh were in, in in purgatory. Just like he knows the emotional makeup of Dean, he also knows his Mm. habits. Mm -hmm. and how he carries himself physically through the world. So, yeah, that was, it was such a quick, like, I missed it too Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first time. And I think the moment is so big, it's easy to kind of... Yeah, there's a lot going on. ...pass over. There's a lot happening. But to your point, it's the intimacy of knowing somebody really, really well to be able to, in a crisis know and think oh dean always carries a knife in his back pocket well and feel comfortable enough to grab it yeah exactly <laughs> like exactly like just go for it mm-hmm. and i mean there's the there's also the fact that dean like is doubled over trying not to pass out so he's mm-hmm. just passes is just going and doing what he needs to do to keep dean safe but yeah, just the, well, I think you see the soldier there in him, <laughs> you know, the the be, the ability to think under pressure, to be able to remember yeah, things, yeah. to connect mm-hmm. dots, mm-hmm. and to be able to strategize 
when there's literally like they're they're backed into a corner he Mm -hmm. was able to think strategically make a decision act on it and successfully complete that part of his mission which was to protect dean and to protect dean from death i mean there's going to be goodness so much analysis to do on that and Mm. But anyway, so he he knows what to do. He knows where Dean's knife is. He thinks very quickly how to protect Dean and, and then sits there with Dean through his n- negative self-talk outburst. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it just... Well, yeah, there are a few things about that. He he listens to what Dean has to say. He doesn't interrupt him. He he listens, he hears him, he takes it in. And Dean is lost in despair. I mean, that is the title of of mm-hmm. the episode. Dean is in despair. And in this moment of profound despair where Dean's saying, like, everybody's going to die, we're going to die, there's nothing that can be done. Cass looks deep within himself and finds hope. And I think that that is the most human moment that we have ever seen from Cass. Yeah. That at this moment of absolute and complete despair, he finds a reason for hope. And... And joy. I mean, that's... Yes. Because it's true happiness. Yes. And let's get into that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so he first of all i think it's important that he he tells dean the truth unprompted Mm -hmm. i think the big the big theory that was going on with this end scene with Cass was that something was going to happen to reveal the deal that he had made with the empty right Mm -hmm. that circumstances beyond their control were going to happen and that was going to result in the truth coming out and there would probably be conflict and like there were all kinds of things built up on this supposition that it was going to come from somebody outside of Cass, this truth about what happened with his deal with Yempty. And so I think it's incredibly powerful like we always talk about how supernatural turns things on its head yeah and you have one set of expectations and they completely invert it and come up with something that you would not have expected and that is just chef's kiss beautiful Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened here we were all thinking it was going to be one thing and it was a different thing Cass tells the truth yeah unprompted of his own volition, he reveals it. And there's not a big blow up between right. him and Dean. There's very little fanfare. It's just like, no. so I did a thing. Yep. 
He's just like, yep, this happened. And Dean's like trying to process it. And, you know, and then he's like, well, why are you telling me this now? Yeah. And that sets the stage for this whole confession. So how about we go through it bit by bit? Does that sound like a good approach? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So he starts off with... I always wondered, ever since I took that burden, that curse, I wondered what it could be, what, what my true happiness could even look like. Okay. So, and that's leading all of us <laughs> who ship Destiel to be going to the fanfic place. At least right. that's where my brain went. Uh, sure. Because that's like, I mean, we've talked about it on it is, yeah. our on our podcast. The, the pie in the sky things. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would make Cass happy uh-huh. would be a declaration of love, a, a moment of Destiel happening for real and the joy that that would bring him. And so like when he asked that question, I wondered what it could be, what my true happiness could even look like. Of course, all of us who ship Dusty L are like playing that out in our brains. Like yeah. it's immediately like, boom, right there. So like, uh-huh. Bobo, we see what you were doing there. Mm. And we're all going, but that's not what's going to happen. Right. Like, okay, thanks. Thanks for that. We'll take it and run with it as yeah. you bro pal your way on out of here. Uh-huh. Y- yeah. And like our brains are exploding while we're simultaneously shutting ourselves down because that can't happen. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like the beautiful thing. Okay. But like we see that you see us. So thank you for that. Right. That was definitely my experience. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) And then he goes, I never found an answer because the one thing I want something I know I can't have. Walk me through your emotional response to that, Krisha. Uh, my brain melted in my head. <laughs> like, I don't know another way to phrase it. Because I was like, n- no. <laughs> uh-uh. No, I was Dean in that moment. For sure, for sure. Because Dean's face is like, you know, with the micro expressions, was like, I mean, now I can look at it and see him doing the thing he does in every fanfic ever, which is the like, oh God, he's going to say it. Don't say it. You can't say it. Like the, the panic, right? This is unspoken. You can't, you can't speak it. <laughs> and the panic that Dean gets. Uh, you know, in so many of the, the fanfics that I read. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, what I actually, what I loved about this whole thing with Cass is that truly all the way through, I felt like I was Dean. Like Dean's responses were my responses. And my face looked like his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How about you? <laughs> You know, like, I think that's the part. I think this line was the point where I started yelling no at the television. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> like I was in a verbal denial that what I was hearing and seeing on the screen was what I was hearing and seeing on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> because it was it was like fanfic was happening mm -hmm. and i was hearing it and i was seeing it and there was cognitive dissonance because mm -hmm. like they can't possibly be going in the direction that i think they're going mm -hmm. but that was just something straight out of destiel fanfic dreams like yes yes how, how and just a little like he does oh, I, when I was just watching it through Misha does this little it's something I know I can't have he like tilts his head slightly away from mm -hmm. Dean mm -hmm. as he says it like mm -hmm. there's like he, he's like bashful yes it's bashful and it's like oh my god and like he's been looking earnestly at him and that's like the only point where his gaze drops away for a second it flicks away for a second as he's like turning his head just slightly to the side and i was just like oh, the masterfulness of the nuance of the acting this is mm -hmm. the, the, oh my god so like okay uh -huh. yes <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, and then he says, But I think I know. I think I know now. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitive. <laughs> you stop it right now. What are you doing? though like seeing fan fiction playing on the tv like broke my brain i was just yes! like you don't belong there you you're in my phone like you're on ao3 yes! on my phone like what are you doing over there yes! it, was, it, was, it was it was literally like it was like teetering on a tightrope mm -hmm. between like actively being like oh my god it's happening <laughs> and actively being like no it can't happen this yep. like prepare yourself it's gonna stop I know. and it was just like it, it was like this this like simultaneous like i don't even know how to describe it like hope and fear and like like pulling in two different directions and i'm surprised i didn't like literally rip in half in front of my television <laughs> screen but, like just... hope is dangerous man hope is it painful is. that's why i didn't have oh any anymore <laughs> like it that's just nice. was too hard and so he's saying things and looking bashful and <laughs> and then he starts talking about happiness and says happiness isn't in the having it's in just being i was like what does okay and then i was like this is getting way too profound for my brain well, yes what does that mean well and so dean says what are you talking about man and i'm like <laughs> I am Dean, and Dean is me, and we are both looking at him like he is crazy and being like, what are you talking about? What is happening? And it, and 
it's just, and it's one of those moments because he says it right after, I think I know now. And Dean says, like, what are you talking about, man? And then, and then, and then Cass shifts and starts talking about happiness. And I was like, okay, that was it. That was as close as we're going to get. Like, because now he's talking about abstracts. He's talking about happiness. And like, it, it, it isn't something having, it's being, it's in saying it. And it's like this really like abstract big ideas. So like, that was it. Okay. Like, like wind yourself down, Catherine. Like, just, just like, Get yourself box it all back in again. Yes. <laughs> This is a radio shed, Catherine. Right. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> okay. And then he shifts into Dean. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. Maybe I'm getting this because it's I, I don't have like the interjections from Dean. Yeah, in he here, does the happiness bit. And then He does the happiness bit. And then bit. Dean okay. says, What are you talking about? Because it are it is these big concepts, and even I am like what is he talking what about? I mean, mean, right. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at speaking cats, I think. And even I was just like, what? What? <laughs> Cause it's like, it's like big abstract stuff, man. It's yeah. like, it's like the wise man on the mountain, like speaking yeah. truths that you then have to like ponder for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, sorry, then he shifts and mm-hmm. he starts talking about Dean. And that was when I was like, <sighs> Okay, it's over. Like, <laughs> it's like we got what we were getting. Like, yeah. Okay, okay. And and he says, "I know. I know how you see yourself, Dean. You see yourself the same way our enemies see you. You're destructive, and you're angry, and you're broken. You're, you're daddy's blunt instrument." Um, that line just <laughs> kicked me in the gut just for two reasons because yeah that has like a very that has a that scene that it's referring back to you has a very intense meaning for you right it does yes so that scene specifically was like personally revelatory and and changed the way that I approached several things in my life on a very major way. So that was reason number one. Reason number two is that it's very specific wording, which means that either Dean has shared that with Cass, Mm -hmm. which holy crap, or Cass was able to see things in, in Dean, you know, when he pulled him out. Mm-hmm. And put him back together. Yeah. Which both possibilities are like... Wow. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And so Oof. just for context, the, the episode that that is referring back to you is from season three it's three so it's before it's before Cass comes on the scene mm-hmm. and it's the the dream a little dream mm-hmm. of me and it's the first episode with the dream root mm-hmm. and in that scene Dean is f- facing a, a dream version of himself but it's also him. So he expects to be able to will it away and it doesn't go away. And it starts like shoving all of his worst and darkest feelings about himself in his face. Yeah. You can't lie to me. I know the truth. 
I know how dead you are inside. How worthless you feel. I know how you look into a mirror and hate what you see. Talk about low self-esteem. <laughs> then again, I guess it's not much of a life worth saving now. Wake up, Dean. Come on, wake up. You're as mindless and obedient as an attack dog. That's not true. No. What are the things that you want? What are the things that you dream? I mean, your car? That's dad's. Your favorite leather jacket? Dad's. Your music? Dad's. Do you even have an original thought? Think about it. All he ever did was train you. Boss you around. And Sam. Sam he doted on. Sam he loved. I made it. I'm getting angry. Dad knew who you really were. Good soldier and nothing else. Daddy's blunt little instrument. Your own father didn't care whether you lived or died. Why should you? And it's this incredibly powerful and devastating moment of Dean being faced with everything he fears and never, never says out loud. And one of those lines is that you're you you know you're just a good soldier. You're your daddy's blunt little instrument, mm-hmm. and that line has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Because it's so, like, the language is unusual in and of itself, but it was so apt for yeah. describing what Dean thought that he was. He's not a precision tool. Right. He's, he's just something to, like, be a bludgeon. He's a grunt, yeah. And yeah. and I was actually just talking about that last week, actually, on Twitter with Kira. Hey, Kira. About mm. that line in the context of drag me away from you. And I think Mm. unity as well, like when Dean was in that really, really awful headspace where he was just spiraling and being awful, it was echoes of that, you know, and it was... Oh my gosh, because, you know, I was thinking he was like, he was like a bulldozer, Mm -hmm. like in that scene when he was going down the hall and Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to let Sam or anyone else get in his way. Mm -hmm. It was like, I was thinking of him as like a bulldozer and like... Blunt instrument. Blunt instrument, man. Yeah. Ooh. So like that imagery was Ooh. already invoked for me. Like that was already like on the front of my mind. So mm. for Cass to say it, knowing how deeply personal it is for Dean, because in that African dream root scene, Dean's a demon. He sees a demon version yeah. of himself because he's going to go to hell and he's furious about it. And... Mm-hmm. So it's such a, a deeply personal insecurity and something that he's struggled with for so long. It just was like Cass was just like casually just putting Dean out there. You know, we've talked about yeah. how he keeps so casually talking about Dean and his process and the way that he expresses feelings and copes this season you know he, he talks to jack about it and and it's just so easy for him to talk about who dean is at his core and how he manages things and experiences things and i feel like this was like that but like astronomical you know it was uh-huh. 15 years of dean just in a paragraph he came up with you know on the spot and uh-huh. it was just astounding just mm-hmm. oh gosh it was brilliant and mm-hmm. 
you're destructive and you're angry and you're broken. And that is absolutely the way that Dean was seeing himself in that moment. Absolutely. And then the wording of it, I, I know that the wording that he used was meant to bring Dean up short mm-hmm. and, and to pay attention, like pay attention to what I'm saying because like I know you and I understand you mm-hmm. and this is what you're telling yourself, but that's a lie. Yeah. That's what our, that's what our enemies tell you. Like you're, yes. you're buying what they're selling, which is the him, him framing it that way. It was just perfect. I feel like to catch Dean's attention. Yes. Because <sighs> like Dean will fight villains to his literal dying breath. Mm-hmm. But he won't fight against the negative parts of himself that lie to him. Yeah. So phrasing it that way, again, like from Cass's way of saying that was freaking brilliant. Mm -hmm. It was meant to reframe, like you just said, reframe the context in which Dean sees himself. And it was done perfectly. And like you said, with absolute ease, Mm -hmm. it was effortless because Cass knows Dean and and I just wanted to like touch upon the meta of that because I think this is an important meta moment for the fandom as well in terms of of the meta of healing and and this concept of you're not what the villains say that you are yeah so you're not what the worst people Mm. in your life tell you you that you are you're not what the worst parts of yourself tells you that you are and and the the importance of that for healing in, yeah. in hearing that and seeing that through story just um, like so it, it was so big and it was so important. So I just, I mean, we're going to talk about this for a long time, but I just wanted to touch upon it right now. No, but yeah, that's so important because honestly, that's one of the things about Dean that has always been the most healing for me with him is that I look at Dean and I see how low his self-esteem is. I see how negative his self-image is. And I see how flawed that thinking is. And for me, it's always been, if Dean Winchester thinks that he's this terrible, awful, useless, stupid person, and he's that far off, maybe my inner voice is not, not accurate either. You know, that's, that's like a foundational connection I have with him. So again, just having Cass put it out there like that and seeing, like seeing Dean taking it in, right? Because with anyone else in any other situation, he would have shut it down. Yes. And, you know, I've got to say, like, I feel like that's a really important point because I've seen things floating around about how like he wasn't reacting and what was up with that and <laughs> well like, he was reacting all right <laughs> yeah yeah he was and it and it was that he didn't shut it down he was listening uh-huh he was listening and there's a, a term that i think people have heard thrown around like active listening mm-hmm. i think that's the most active listening the dean winchester has ever <laughs> done in his life he was like accurate taking it in his ears were functioning his brain was functioning so often when dean hears things that are good about himself you know he he shrugs it off it goes over his head oh you're just 
you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't matter because I'm terrible, you know. But he was hearing Cass. Well, and he was bringing, Jensen was bringing all 15 years to this moment, you know, and <sighs> that's, that's the thing. Because I've heard those things floating around too, and it just blows my mind because I feel like Dean told just epics of stories with his face throughout this entire scene because we just know him that well and we we know his process and how he works and what he looks like when he's listening and what he looks like when he's blowing things off and he's such a nuanced precision actor (laughs) Mm. yeah and he was like having a hard time processing it which that's fair because so was i (laughs) but but he was hearing it and Mm -hmm. Oof, that was, man. That's big. It's really, really That's big. That's big. Yeah. Dean Winchester taking it in. Just I know. Mm. It's powerful, man. Mm-hmm. And then when he can see that Dean is hearing him, then he starts talking about love. Yes. Yes. Because he says. And you think that hate and anger, that's. That's what drives you. That's who you are. So he's saying, like, this is what you think about yourself. You you think what your enemies, you, you see what your enemies see. You think what your enemies think. That it's anger and hate. And that's what drives you. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. And then he says two words. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shifts to love. Everything you have ever done, the good and the bad, you have done for love. You raise your little brother for love. You fought for this whole world for love. That is who you are. And I, um, when he, when he talked about Sam, that was where I lost my complete everything. Yeah. (laughs) I, I feel like this moment for Cass, like these couple lines were what every person who loves Dean Winchester, all of the the millions of people in this fandom, have wanted to say to him for 15 Uh. years. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And so to have... (sighs) I don't... uh... Okay, that just didn't mean completely. You're absolutely right. That's like if I could say anything to Dean. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Sam tries, right? But Sam's family, like Sam's like his brother. And there's always that, well, you have to love me kind of mentality (sighs) that I think that we have with people like that. And, And so, and Cass, Cass doesn't have to love him. And we just learned in the last episode that... Cass is like the one person in all of this that has true free will and always has. So like, I don't know if he's had time to marinate on that, but somewhere in his brain, he knows that Cass has stayed with him all of this time because he wanted to. Cass doesn't do anything because Chuck makes him. So. I think. I'm just thinking. (sighs) I'm just thinking about all of 
the nights that Dean was there alone, not knowing if he was going to be able to find something for Sam to eat the next day, trying to figure out if <laughs> if they were safe, if like where their dad was. <laughs> um. Yeah. <clears throat> And to have someone tell him, like, I see the love that was in the middle of all of that hardship. Yeah, because Chuck described it as duty in the, in the last episode, right? That, that <sighs> Dean is driven by duty and responsibility. And it's not that. It's never been that. I mean, it's, no. you know, part of it, sure, but it's more just because he cares. Like, as Cass said earlier in the season, he feels more deeply than any human I've ever known. Like, he just loves. Like, Dean Winchester just loves. And... Mm. And I think, like, anybody who has been through hard, lonely stuff where they were giving everything they had... And it felt like nobody could see. Yeah. 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 To be seen that way. I, I just, I don't. <laughs> oh, it... Like, I am just like trying to think about, like, has anyone ever talk to Dean as if he is a a person driven by love you know like this it seems like such a fundamental like obvious thing but but no one's ever said that to him no one's ever framed him that way and I mean we have we do constantly <laughs> consistently but in his world no one does not not even his parents not not anybody so yeah i just oh that was powerful and so then i'm reeling from that right the idea that Cass is talking to dean about love which my brain's my brain's already spiraling off right like yeah and like i just have to like add as <laughs> I'm the one who can't word right now because I'm saying through snot and tears. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Cass says, you fought for this whole world for love. Yeah. And they've talked about their legacy and how probably no one will ever know who they were. Yeah. But the lives that they changed are their legacy. The lives that they saved, the lives that they touched. And that is, to me, the definition of love. To go out into the world and fight so hard for other people, knowing that probably no one will ever know what you did. Yeah. And constantly, and like, he's, you know, he says it's the job, he says it's the family business, he says mm. all of these things, but ultimately it comes down to a love 
of people, a love of individual human lives that, like, he doesn't even know. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't... Most people wouldn't care. (laughs) Like... Most people would get jaded and cynical after a while. They would stop valuing life because after you've seen what he's seen, at some point you end up like the Chucks of the world, you know, where you're just like, eh, Mm -hmm. collateral damage. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, they, they, mm, so that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, let's keep going because you were moving towards something <laughs> so you know you fought for this world for love this whole world for love that is who you are and then he says you're the most caring man on earth and that is the line <laughs> that did it for me <laughs> Be- okay tell me why yeah because hmm he talks about dean as a as a human he talks about him as a, a person or he puts him in the relationship role like as a as a brother or a hunter or but when someone talks about someone else but uses the word man like seeing him as a man <laughs> that's romantic yes that's a romantic thing (laughs) that's i you know like i've i've I've, I've read and i've watched approximately a gajillion heterosexual love stories in my life (laughs) and the you're the most insert whatever man i've ever known is what you do during the big declaration right that's like oh my gosh that's what you yes. say and <laughs> that's why that's why it resonated the way that it did uh-huh. okay uh-huh it's because it's that language yeah it's that's that's it's that romantic language <laughs> and I, I i don't know what happened like i can't I, there's some sort of like chill like ran through my body and <laughs> I I don't know. Like I, I, I it was like an out of body experience. I can't really tell you what happened after that. <laughs> um Cass looked at Dean, called him a man, called him the most caring man he's ever known, with his eyes doing what his eyes were doing and the tears and the smile and I was like Oh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, that's when I went fully to the, like, blue screen buffering situation that, that Dean also, I believe, went to at that moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, because from Dean's perspective, Dean's like, I'm the literal worst. Yeah. He's like, you're the literal best. You're the most caring man on earth. You are the most selfless loving human being I will ever know. Which runs absolutely opposite to everything Dean believes about himself and most of the messaging he's ever gotten from anybody. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And that's like, that's the thing that you say. Like mm-hmm. when you, you speak in hyperbole when you're, when you're talking to the person that you love, but because Cass is an angel, he's also like, he's being literal. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> so it's like both at once. He's like speaking the hyperbole of love while also being completely literal mm-hmm. because he's an angel. Really and nice like, I'm sure he, like he's, he's looked at humans for millennia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then he says, You know, ever since we met, ever since I pulled you out of hell, knowing you has changed me. (laughs) Because you cared, I cared. I cared about you. I cared about Sam. I cared about Jack. But I cared about the whole world because of you. And I'm looking at Misha as Cass <laughs> while sitting through <laughs> this election um <laughs> yeah where Misha has cared so much and has inspired <laughs> so many people to care so much and <laughs> it is overwhelming it's overwhelming. It. <laughs> yeah. Because there's been like so little care. <laughs> yeah. And and it's not just Misha, right? Like we've we've seen Jensen and Jared step up too. We've seen yeah. the entire. Like basically the entire cast, which is a hell of a statement for a show like this, you know, phone banking and advocating and just inspiring people to to get involved and fight for their world, like in the real world. And this is two days after the election when it hasn't been called yet. And we're starting to feel this like bit of hope you know and so um (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i'm like full-on sobbing um yeah i just you know i just think i just think that they filmed this in february um or march was it march i guess and yeah it was like literally just before COVID shut down like they did the it was right before the very last con yeah they could not there's no way they could have known how and when this would land no and it's mm, and they could have they couldn't have known how the election was gonna go. Yeah, like, it, it 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 just it's just like <laughs> cosmic timing, like holy It feels <laughs> like it. Because I was pissed that they scheduled this episode for this week. I was I so mad. I like, know me too. You're gonna make me lose Cass in the same week as I may perhaps lose democracy. Like, really? (laughs) And so for it to 
to have come together the way that it did. It's just, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend yet, you know? And and it's why this episode is going to be like three billion hours long because I just like so want to capture this, you know, what, like what this feels like, like right now. Um, like there's people dancing and singing in the streets right now. And like, (laughs) I, I have no doubt that it's, you know, very much in part because Misha Collins cares about the world and got us to care too. (laughs) Not that we didn't care before, but, but to, to actively care, you know, the, the statement from, from random acts, kindness isn't meek. Kindness has a spine. Um, yeah, it's just, it all sort of just like came together to be this just overwhelming, intense, but incredible, I don't know, cosmic, that's, (laughs) but like the good kind, not the Chuck kind. Um, Like, like, yes, (laughs) very much the good kind. And after the year that we've had, yeah, yeah, like this is we needed some good. And then he says, "You changed me, Dean." And he says it in a in a Misha voice, right? Like yeah. he, <laughs> his voice, he, every word that he said, it was like he was becoming more and more and more human. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Because he went up into Misha register. He, he did. And that, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then he looks Dean full in the face and says, I love you. And, um, (laughs) Dean went through a series (laughs) of micro reactions and, um, that I could not process at the time, like at all. Um, (laughs) Please, can you break it down for us? Cause I still couldn't. (laughs) uh, uh, I, I, I mean, at the time, my brain went to nothing. It was just like... Static. I was, was static. Too busy screaming at my television. I literally like I shrieked. I just, I, like I'm, I'm crying now. I didn't cry at the time. I was just like screaming. Yeah. I don't think I cried at the time. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I was making noises. Yeah. I I like heave sobbed all the way through. Like the whole. The, all the way through. Like, so that... And um, when he said, I love you, the only thing I can remember is that my breath, like, 
literally was punched out of me. Like, it was a very, like, I had a physical reaction throughout my entire body from those three birds. And um, since then, I've rewatched it when I'm not hysterical. And I've been able to see, I guess it's hard to say exactly what Dean's responses were. I mean, he swallowed, which is a nervous tick. And he like kind of looked away, but didn't. And, you know, he like moved everything around just, just a little bit as this like, oh God, we don't talk about this. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> but you're going to die and I can't say anything back. And like, we can't. Yeah. It just, boy. Oh, Mm. I think it was like, I think he just hit overload just like we did. Well, he was still backed into a corner, right? So Cass smiles, the, the biggest Misha smile, you know, which Cass doesn't. I know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was said in the last episode, it was like he was transformed, mm-hmm. and to me, it was he was becoming more and more and more and more human with each truth and loving word that he spoke. Mm-hmm. You could see him be lighter. You know, like his face yes. always has this very pinched expression. And by the end of it, his face was just relaxed. You know, he was, he was serene. He was free. He, he spoke his truth and he was free. And, <laughs> and it, I, oh God. Oh. The meta of, oh. the meta of, uh, like the representation of that. Just, um means a lot because he he wasn't telling Dean because he believes his feelings were unrequited for the same reason that so many people view Dean as straight and (laughs) the by Dean subtext we pick up on is subtle it's tough for humans yeah. to get, you know. Yes. And then yes. there's Cass. <laughs> like, what chance does that yes. poor guy have? Um, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Dean's in Narnia, you know? Like, he's. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I just want to hug him. And. <laughs> And so the bravery, you know, death is still knocking on the door, (laughs) like literally. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. And shoot. Yeah. Like. (laughs) Okay, keep going. (laughs) She's out there banging on the door and Cass is just like spilling his soul out and he's doing it. Because saving Dean and speaking his truth to Dean will give him pure joy. And it's... 
talking and stuff hits me on a delay Mm -hmm. and like I yeah Mm, but I was really not expecting to do this I literally can't see the screen because I'm crying so hard it's like a big blur well and then he says he puts his hand on Dean's shoulder on the on the shoulder on the shoulder and says goodbye Dean and and so my brain has gone on a journey right through this dialogue and at the beginning i am like firmly convinced that we're gonna we're gonna bro pal and refused to accept any other alternative and by the end of this like bobo has like dragged me out of my protective (laughs) place right into and I thought they were gonna kiss. I did too. And then oh I my was like, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna kiss. <laughs> and then he threw him, and I laughed. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and like hysterical <laughs> sobbing, and then I'm like, oh my god, he just tossed him across the room. Oh, that's supernatural. <laughs> like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> That's supernatural. You confess your undying love and then toss him across the room. <laughs> so perfect. Um. Mm. Oh my god. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it works exactly the way he wanted it to, right? He said goodbye, Dean. He did. And his whole thing has always been, hello, Dean. Yeah. And I was like, that didn't even register until today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that symmetry did not register until today. I was too overwhelmed. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I think that I always assumed that would be Cass's last words to Dean, but I didn't, I couldn't even hear them because I was too... I was too much. It was, I was, mm hmm. Yes. I think I'm still, yes. like, it's still just hard to, hard to believe that that happened. Like, the whole thing. I know. I always wondered, ever since I took that burden, that curse, I wondered what it could be, what, what my true happiness could even look like. I never found an answer because the one thing I want it's something I know I can't have but I think I know I think I know now happiness isn't in the having it's in just being and just saying it. What are you talking about, man? I know. I know how you see yourself, Dean. You see yourself the same way our enemies see you. You're destructive, and you're angry, and you're broken. You're 
your daddy's blunt instrument and you think that hate and anger that's that's what drives you that's who you are it's not and everyone who knows you sees it everything you have ever done the good and the bad you have done for love you raise your little brother for love you fought for this whole world for love that is who you are you're the most caring man on earth you are the most selfless loving human being i will ever know You know, ever since we met, ever since I pulled you out of hell, knowing you has changed me. <laughs> Because you cared, I cared. I cared about you. I cared about Sam, I cared about Jack. But I cared about the whole world because of you. You changed me, Dean. Why does this sound like a goodbye? Because it is. I love you. I'm still sitting here, like, you know, like a cognitive dissonance. I think, like, this is a legit thing. Our brains create pathways when we think along certain lines enough it's like we create roads in our brains and so like I've been told this from a therapist like in a therapy session mm -hmm. and so for your brain to create new pathways and new ways of thinking it's like it takes effort it takes work and you have to like actively work to pull your brain out of the pathways that it is used to traveling mm -hmm. So, like, in a therapeutic context, if you're constantly doing negative self-talk, which is something that I do, and you are actively seeking to not do that, it takes self-correction and it takes active awareness of, of your ruminating thoughts to be able to pull yourself. It's like you're in, you're in a road and, you know, how, like, when car tires go over a road for a certain amount of time it creates those like double mm -hmm. lines and it's hard to pull the car out of it mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like that and I think it's kind of like that with Dusty L going canon it's like something that we've wanted for so long but it was not within the realm of possibility mm -hmm. and like when the whole world is telling you that it can never happen and that you're ridiculous for for seeing it yes that you're ridiculous for seeing it and you're ridiculous for hoping it and frank i think that's been kind of like the hard part yeah. of all of this is the constant even from within the dusty old fan and i don't want to like disparage people because people are going to feel what they're going to feel and they're going to be where they're going to be in their journey but like It was hard to constantly see people saying, not to us directly, I don't think, like not to me anyway, but like to say that it's ridiculous to hope for such right. a thing. Mm -hmm. So I think you get in a certain way of thinking about things you want to hope, but you're protecting mm -hmm. yourself. And so to process, to change that track of thinking, to get out of that rut, I think it's it takes time and it takes effort. So like... 
it's like our whole world has changed, but it's like my brain is literally struggling to create new pathways that acknowledge that reality. Yeah, it's, I had to, you know, after the episode was over and, you know, there's still more to talk about there, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> on social media to, to like check, like, did I just completely misread something that just happened? And honestly, what yes. helps me, like what made my brain unstick is that Stans had posted the Destiel Cannon. And God bless. Like, I lost it. <laughs> I just, I. I'm going to cry about this too because she talked about representation. And for anyone who saw themselves in the episode tonight that hadn't before, like, she just wanted to celebrate with us. Seeing yourself in your heroes. It's just, it's so, yeah, yeah, and and Cass, like I relate, I relate to Dean, I do, but especially through seasons fifteen, I have recognized just how much I relate to Cass, just how much he has influenced and inspired me, and he's an angel, so probably labels don't apply, but I think I think he could probably just go ahead and qualify as queer. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like he's not, he's not straight, whatever that means for an angel, you know? Yes. So just the idea that. Yeah. Yeah. That's canonically true. I, I can't. I can't wrap my brain around it. I. <laughs> it was so outside the realm of possibility. Like, even though last week, last week, you see. <laughs> the human Adam with Seraphina the angel and we're both just like oh my god like and I what I quit I'm so like you've got to be kidding <laughs> I still didn't think it would happen I still didn't think it they were going to they were going to walk up to that line as far as they could and then back off and so I can't yeah. even though all the evidence said they were going to it always did it always did like it always did. Krishna, a year ago, us that we're like so hopeful and we're seeing all of this stuff to get excited about. And we're like, look, they're doing things with this story. They're doing legacy things. They're acknowledging the legacy of the fandom and the places that they misstepped and the things that are important and trying to right the, the, the wrongs that have gone on like specifically with representation in this show um and like that whole time like this sounds really dumb to just say it but like we were right like, (laughs) and we were and by we we mean you and i but we also mean like the fandom the fandom like everybody who hoped and was afraid to hope we're not crazy no crazy (laughs) Thank you, Nisha. Oh my god, like, okay, yes. We have to say for anyone who missed us. So there's an interaction, I don't remember what it was, but basically the Destiel fandom was told they were crazy by someone very high up, I believe at the network, for seeing Destiel. And Misha just tweeted, you're not crazy. No context, no anything. But it's been this source of, of hope and validation for so many for so long. 
And after this episode aired, he went back to that tweet and liked it. It's his own tweet, but he went back and liked it, which means it showed up in his likes. And um, yeah, there's the Stan's canon. And then I saw Misha do that. And that's when it became real for me. Yeah. And I haven't stopped crying since that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so let's talk about what happened, like, what happened next, because that is the source of pain f- for lots of people, <laughs> because the empty does come and take Cass. They'll do this, Cass. Goodbye, Dean. fascinating uh as i reflect upon my own feelings which is that i don't for a single solitary second believe that that was the end of Cass's story no at no point did i even entertain that as a possibility and i know that hoping that he may come back can be a source of distress for some folks because hope is terrifying yes and i don't know the future right i don't I don't know if he's coming back or not. I don't know any insider information about anything. But what I do know is that when we look back over the course of this season, the analysis that we did, we've been pretty good at understanding, you know, picking up what they're putting down. Yeah. We lost faith because of outside stuff. Yeah. And I can't, how many times in the course of this podcast have we said, well, let's just bring it back to the evidence. Let's just take it back to the evidence. And like the story leads us, right? And the yes. story led us here. Yes. And so I believe then the episode ends with Cass being taken, yes. But it also ends with Dean on the floor sobbing. Yeah. that I did not like I did not take that in in the first thing I thought he was just like sitting there with his head in his hands I missed the hitch of his breath and the the sound of him crying Mm -hmm. because I was just so overwhelmed and like so I did not hear Mm -hmm. that until today when I was re-watching well here's the thing that I think is incredibly important is that When Sam discovered that Eileen was gone, he said, I can't think about it. I got to keep going. That's the Dean Winchester way. That is the Dean Winchester way. Yeah. 
Cass got taken. The world's ending. Dean's on the floor sobbing, not answering his phone. He doesn't answer Sam. Like. Yeah. He felt his feelings. Yeah. He prioritized feeling his feelings. Whether or not he feels like he has a choice, Dean is a literal professional shoving it down to deal with the crisis. And that that's not what happened here. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that that was incredible, mm-hmm. honestly. The, the contrast with Sam and just seeing Dean finally just break. Yeah. You know, I, I, not that I want him to break, but he let himself, you know, like he he had an excuse. Right. Mm. He could have answered the phone and dealt with the next crisis, but he didn't. And I think that that's just so pivotal. Yeah. And, and that's where I come to. OK, so Cass got to speak his truth. He got to finally just admit what his feelings are, admit what he wants in his way and just just speak his truth, you know, and he did it. He did it not only with Dean, but with Jack in this episode. Mm. And that is what brought him true happiness. You know, that the self-actualization I've been banging on about all, all season. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so now, now Dean needs to do that. Yes. And um, I think that Dean has some things he needs to say back to Cass, I think, is, is what I'm going to say there. You know, he he certainly didn't shut Cass down. He certainly didn't look like someone who was unhappy with what he was being told, overwhelmed. Yes, panicked because Cass was going to be taken. Panicked because Dean doesn't admit to things that he feels. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to guess shocked because these idiots. Hmm. (laughs) He probably had no idea. (laughs) No. No. I think that was a genuine, like, he did not know. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking of the, the idiots to lovers tag on AO3 <laughs> and, like... And the, well, and the idiots in love, like, tag as oh, well. Oh, <laughs> my God. Jeez. A couple of variations on that. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I cannot fathom Dean not being able to have the chance to this is the second time this season that they've had these profound declarations that they don't get to resolve (laughs) the first was in purgatory right also written by bobo (laughs) of course Mm -hmm. and so and we were in the purgatory thing. We said, oh, that's setting up a conversation. They're going to they're going to do another one. And then here's this other conversation under duress. But it's cast that's that's declaring things this time. Mm-hmm. And so now they've they've both said things. But now they need to now Dean needs to take it all in and really understand what's true. And I think he's going to need to do that outside of Chuck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about parallels. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought, like I said, I thought that Cass and Dean were being paralleled against Sam and Eileen because Sam and Eileen 
are heterosexual couples, so they'll be able to have the traditional love story. And we're just supposed to like pretend that that's for, for Destiel. Mm-hmm. And now I see it <laughs> completely differently <laughs> in a way that I am terrified to verbalize. Oh. Um, just b- because hope is hard. Oh, okay. You know, because if we think of Sam and Eileen at this point, seems obvious to me that he's going to find a way to get her back. Mm-hmm. They will have their moment mm-hmm. where they are reunited and they they declare their love outside of Chuck because Chuck will have been vanquished, however. Mm-hmm. And so they will have ownership of their free will. They will recognize that they still have the feelings. They will declare their love for each other and then they will kiss. Mm-hmm. And it will be music swelling, the big lights and the big moment. And so, and so my knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, we're not going to get that. <laughs> every sure time we say that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we never thought we were going to get an I love you t- from Gas to Dean like we did. And it happens. It happens. Well, Cass has opened the door, and now Dean needs to walk through. And frankly, Cass went to the empty in this episode, and that's terrible. Well, guess what Jack went to and then popped back 30 seconds later. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's really hard (laughs) to get particularly worked up about it, especially when it seems like, my theory is... That, that Jack's bomb woke everybody up because the empty yes. said it's so loud. Yes. Okay, well. So, yes. So let's look at, like, the storytelling things that were dropped here because that was huge. And I think that uh-huh. there was so much that was huge in this episode and it happened so early in the episode mm-hmm. that, that, like, by the end, I don't know if people were even thinking it through, but because I've been harping on the empty and people coming back right. from the empty all season, mm-hmm. <laughs> I went, <gasps> when she said that, when she said, you did this. And so I was thinking through the logic of the storytelling. So Jack's prayer made Cass wake up. So like just Mm -hmm. his voice encouraging Cass to wake up woke Cass up. So imagine what Jack exploding in the actual empty would Uh, wake uh up. uh (laughs) Right? Yeah. And so... (laughs) The empty's worst nightmare. Yeah. It's the empty's worst nightmare. When she says that it's loud, to me, that means it's loud because people are awake. Exactly. Beings are awake. Demons are awake. Angels are awake. And so from a storytelling perspective, it does not make sense to drop that kind of a line and then not follow up on it. 
Correct. So from a logical storytelling perspective, they were giving us a teaser just like they did with Death's Key way back in the beginning where Mm -hmm. we were like, okay, that's going to be important down the line. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have brought it up unless they're going to pick this thread back up and Boy, howdy, they sure did. Yep. This was one of those kinds of moments where they were dropping a thread to pick back up. So from a logic storytelling perspective, they are going to pick this back up. And so I feel 100% confident that we are going to see what is going down in the empty Mm -hmm. when Cass arrives. His story is not over because they dropped a thread specifically that is going to need to be resolved before the end of the show. Mm -hmm. I think they also made The Empty much more problematic this season intentionally. So we always thought Mm -hmm. it was this peaceful place of sort of oblivion for everybody. Oh, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. And this season it was ruby who said why do they call this place the empty this place is full it's full of sorrow and despair playing over and over again of angels and demons dreaming about the regrets forever so it's literal torture and so Mm -hmm. again we've talked about this in previous episodes knowing that and jack will absolutely know that if Cass has not told anyone jack would have known that through his experience and through his nephilim perception Mm -hmm. knowing that there is no way that they're going to let Cass stay there for the rest of forever without fighting for him Mm -mm. so again there's that that intentional problem the problematizing of the empty (laughs) i think that's a word i think i didn't just make that up it's um (laughs) 238 in the morning so who knows totally so no i agree though and and i think you know you and i had a theory i feel like we talked about at one point about having all all of the different planes of existence come together to fight yes heaven hell purgatory the empty and yeah i could totally see Cass popping up there and then being like oh i guess we're not sleeping and then mobilizing the troops because Frankly, that's something that could use to be paid off for him still also. Yes, because he was a commander. He was a soldier. Mm -hmm. He led armies into battle. He led the legions of heaven into battle. Well, and just like Sam, he he kept saying, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader because he, with Raphael, and when he became God, it didn't go well. And so he's tried to really shy away from that. So seeing him commanding troops again, commanding celestial troops again to come to the aid of the world, I think that would be lovely. That would be so in- that would be incredible, hmm. Krisha. I would mm-hmm. like scream cry. <laughs> but like just... Dean Dean has to tell him. Like they've set it up now. How is oh, Dean yeah. supposed to self actualize if he can't speak his truth to the person that needs to hear it? Yeah. Both because Cass needs to hear it, but because Dean needs to say it oh, yeah. to Cass, he has to come back. So we can play the Where's Misha game all we want, but the story has told us that Cass has to come back. So, um... Well, yeah, and like, again, looking at the story, it took almost losing Cass for Dean to repair things with Cass. It took him thinking mm-hmm. that Cass was possibly dead for him to make things right and say I was wrong and I'm sorry right right 
So I think it will take him actually losing Cass for him to realize and process his own feelings for Cass. So to Mm -hmm. me, this is a parallel that makes sense within the internal logic of the story that they're telling here. And it's also a romantic trope that Uh when one character confesses love, that love is impeded before it can be reciprocated. So this is this is like a, a standard trope. One person mm-hmm. declares love, the other person like is you know there's a cliffhanger, but there's some reason why it can't be reciprocated. It that is resolved, and the other character confesses their love back. Like that is that is a standard. So it makes sense to me from those two levels of things too. Well, and they've absolutely they've been again for the second time this season but this time much more literally stripped of everyone they've ever loved. And yes. So yes. They, they don't have their found family. They don't have nope. anyone to protect. Nope. You know, it, it's, it's taken their sense of purpose. It's taken all of the people that they love it, Chuck. And so it's Sam Dean and Jack. And so that's going to bring them down to sort of bare bones and gives me some concern about Jack because it seems like the story would bring it down to Sam and Dean mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. before turning the corner and building it back up at a crescendo with lots of big, exciting reveals. Yeah. Well, and I think oh, there's so much that I have to say about about how Chuck fits into this and how legacy issues fit into this. Thinking about it from the perspective of Chuck, the only toys that he's ever cared about have been Dean and Sam. Mm -hmm. And Dean and Sam both had the characters that they loved that would distract them from Chuck and Chuck's games taken away. So to me, that is another part of Chuck's writing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the bad guy is not going to win. Right. So from that perspective, I don't think it's going to make sense. But um, the other thing that I really wanted to address is there's been some real anger and rage about the trope of killing your gaze, which is the idea that characters who are queer characters are more expendable in a storyline than straight characters because they're inherently less valued than straight characters. Yeah. That is a legitimate thing that absolutely happens. So I've seen a lot of people going, okay, well, they killed off the queer black woman. They killed Mm -hmm. off the queer white woman. They killed off the hearing impaired woman. They killed off all of these characters and then they, they had Cass come out and they killed him off. Yeah. So like, wow, look at what they're doing. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. Look at the this like, <laughs> look at yeah. what they're doing to representation. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that, that I'm seeing it and I think that we've been talking about all, all season that, that makes me not go to this place is that they have been dealing with legacy issues all season. Yeah. And they have legacy issues with killing off women. They have legacy issues with killing off gay characters. They have legacy issues with people being underrepresented as people of color. Mm-hmm. And they have gone ahead and addressed a whole bunch of these 
major legacy issues over the course of this season. Just in in one fell swoop, even with Kaya, they brought back Kaya and she was reunited with Claire. So we had a woman of color who had died unjustly that a lot of people were like legitimately upset about and felt betrayed by that choice to to kill off Kaya. They made that right. They brought Kaya back, our Kaya, and they reunited her with Claire. And so we got a canon lesbian couple mm-hmm. as part of the narrative of this story. And they were invoked in this episode too, so, talking about Chody and the girls. I mean, they didn't say Kaya specifically, but you know, that's who the girls yeah. are now. Yeah. So yep. they're still woven into the fabric, even if they're not on screen. That's right. That's right. And so they've been addressing legacy issues. They've been addressing things like the codependency between the brothers, the mental health fallouts that have, you know, that have been inevitably going to happen. Legacy issues when it came to fangirling and Becky and like mm-hmm. so many issues they've just been addressing head on throughout the entire season. And so the awareness of the flaws of the show in the past that has been demonstrated through this addressing of legacy issues to me says that they're absolutely aware of what they're doing now Mm -hmm. and that's not going to be how they're going to end it and the and the second piece of this that that gives me comfort is that it's still Chuck who's writing the story. Absolutely. Yes. And Chuck is the personification of white male privilege and the destructiveness of white male privilege. And so who is Chuck disappearing first? It's the queer black woman. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely going to take her out first. Yep. So... When you look at it from the meta perspective of them being aware of the shortcomings of the the show's history and the legacy issues that needed to be addressed, the legacy issues that have already been addressed, and then the meta of Chuck doing the writing and taking out these characters that are representation of, of people of color, of people from the queer community, LGBTQ+, of people from the hearing impaired community, just boom, 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 he's taking them out, right? Yep. To me, it is part of the story. This is, this is part of the mm-hmm. destructiveness of white men with power, and they are making a statement here about the inherent evil absolutely that that can wreak in the world yeah i mean i think that the the story that chuck is creating right now with everybody on earth except Cass, is it's not just bad writing it's villainous like that is a villain creating a story and so yes the villainous writer killed off the queer woman of color first right because that's that's what they do Mm -hmm. and so in terms of Cass like I I get the hurt I really do I really do like Mm. to see your your favorite character come out and then immediately die like yeah I I get it I do Mm -hmm. it's just that he's not he's not done like I can't I can't see any logical path to Cass being done agreed so to, to my mind death doesn't mean anything in this show 
So Cass died. Sure, he's died a whole bunch of times. There's two more episodes. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if he dies in the credits roll, that'll be different. But for right yes. now, we got we got two more episodes. It's like plenty of time. Mm-hmm. It's plenty of time. And the whole Where's Misha game, game. <laughs> Even when we talked about it back then in our State of the Fandom episodes, it was they are holding something close to the chest here. Like, yes. If they are trying this hard... There is something that they are really working to protect. And they were throwing spoilers out left and right. They were telling us everything. And we were like, why are they doing that? They sat on this for like (laughs) a year. Can you imagine? Gosh. I just think about, I think about them. I think about Misha watching all of us going through it this year and knowing that we were like so close to having this one thing that would just bring us so much joy and them not being able to do anything about it or say anything about it and it just sits there like ugh, I just feel so terrible for everybody who had to sit on this all year oh really I'm just like in a state of admiration well that too (laughs) but I don't know I it's hard keeping big stuff like that to yourself especially when you know that people that you care about who are hurting that's true yeah would get so much joy from it but I firmly believe that why bring it up in in 18 if you're never going to talk about it again yeah you're going to do that you bring it up in 20 and then you have him gone yes you know but they've left the door open They've left space. They left room. I, I just can't fathom a way that they don't bring Cass back, which yeah. I, I don't think that that he is dead dead. Yeah. So I get that, that there are folks that can't think about that because it's too scary to hope for that. Yes. There are some folks that are really trying to make peace with his death right now. And, you know, if that's you, I get that. And your feelings are so super valid. And I don't know the future. I'm just, we're just trying to follow what we see in the story yes yeah thank you for saying that that is super important no matter where people are people process differently and people deal differently and so wherever you are and this week has been a lot and this yeah oh like yes good lord yes you you feel whatever you need to feel man that's right (laughs) yes but you know like i also had this thought today about all of this and and it started with Becky saying where's Cass mm-hmm. and again this was this was a legacy issue that they were pointing out because one of the problems that people who who love Cass have had for forever is just he's he's gone mm-hmm. for episodes and we don't know why there have been so many times that that's happened and it's just like he's he's not there for an episode for contractual logistical reasons in the real world and it's like people forget about him <laughs> in the in the supernatural mm-hmm. world and it's just really like what and yeah frustrating but chuck was writing a story in which there was no cast and that was a big problem for becky mm-hmm. And so the idea of the last two episodes of the series being a where's Cass from the writers that pointed out that Cass being not present has been an issue for fans. Mm-hmm. That. But then I was thinking about the whole where's Misha thing and going, mm-hmm. where's Cass? Where's Misha? Oh, 
because we were we were doing that whole thing like where is he what's going on and you know you were analyzing the curtains and <laughs> the headboards <laughs> and rooms and like comparing uh-huh. them to like Jake Abel's and like doing a whole thing like is he in quarantine in Vancouver like oh we think he might be you know and just <laughs> just that whole thing was paralleling what they were talking about in the story <laughs> where is he <laughs> We don't know. Like, mm. and so I just went, yeah, like, they can't, he can't just be gone for like the last two episodes. He couldn't have Mm -hmm. just been doing nothing. Cass couldn't be gone for the last two episodes. Misha couldn't have just been doing nothing and going on mysterious camping trips that, you know, (laughs) like, there was so much. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Eating rainbows. Yeah, eating, eating rainbows. Tasted the damn rainbow. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's such a troll. <laughs> Which is the other thing to keep in mind. Such we're a talking troll. about here. <laughs> he ate the rainbow, Krisha. He sure did. <laughs> sure did. Yeah. So I think that all of this is pointing in a direction which to me is hopeful because they lost the whole world right yeah so like everybody's gone well you can't end it that way you got two episodes left so that means we're gonna get them back right right why would we get everyone back and not get cast back so if everybody's well if everybody's in their natural quote-unquote place but i guess we don't know that because it's chuck and he's shifty so we don't know where everybody is yeah he's been doing that all season he just says oh they're away yes okay that what does that mean that was the other thing that i wanted to talk about because they did a very specific visual thing when he poofed becky out Mm -hmm. and it was this like Mm -hmm. smoke that kind of like folded in on itself this Mm -hmm. color full color smoke that then just dissipates and and he specifically said that he didn't kill her or like her family, but that he just like put them somewhere. They were somewhere else. So mm-hmm. he specifically said, and and like that was a major point for us because you had talked about how him killing her kids would have been like too real world owl. Yeah. And so that was like a reassurance moment <laughs> that needed to happen. So I remember that moment really clearly. Like, he was not killing them when he puffed them out. They were just going somewhere. So... He did it with angels, too, in the last episode. All the the annoying fangirl angels. He said, ah, they're not dead. They're just away. Right. But then they did that very specific visual thing with the humans Mm -hmm. when he was puffing them out of existence here. So I don't think that they're dead. Right. I think they're somewhere else. Yeah. And I know that's like a weird distinction to make, but it I think it might be important because death is gone. So life and death stuff is confusing right now. So I think it's important that they're not dead mm-hmm. because if he made them disappear somewhere, he can bring them back somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. What other away is there? Like, yeah. Where do they go? He can't put them on a different world anymore. I don't know. It makes me think about the bar, right? Yeah. Where he wrote his manuscript. Yeah, that's true. And it was like, yeah. it was like a little pocket universe almost. Maybe everybody's at the bar. He's able to do stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. Like, he, he can just make places and put people in places mm-hmm. and store them. Like he did with Eileen and the broom closet. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. 
The, the other thing that I just wanted to touch on was, because I saw a lot of people commenting on it, was the whole thing with Jack and the plant. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Because um, I have a theory, but I, I wasn't sure if you had any thoughts. I think that there's a part of me that wonders, you know, we've talked about how we hope that they're going to just get rid of the framework, dismantle it. But if they don't, it would be interesting to see who might replace whom. So mm-hmm. would would Jack be replacing Death, perhaps? Would he be replacing Amara, perhaps? We have Jack, who is a Christ figure. Christ's dad is God. So, you know, Cass has been God. So it could be redemptive if he took over as God. I don't think he wants it. I don't really want it for him. But, you know, like fun things to play with. Because Dean Dean was holding that scythe with some authority in this episode. And boy, they were blocking those shots and really, I don't know, he held that scythe commandingly for a a close-up just one too many times. I was like, just put it down, man. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that for you. Like, just Put it down, back away. But it did, I, I felt like they were playing with that. Like, I felt like they were showing us, our boys, in the positions of these other cosmic beings in little snippets, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. So, where did you go? Well, I was just playing with the idea of of Jack becoming the new death. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, because he died and came back so close to Billy's death, would he be close enough to be... Like, because Reapers are a kind of angel, he's half Archangel. Would it be close enough for things to happen? Yeah, I don't know. So, and what would that mean in terms of good things? Because who would he be able to reach out and bring back? Billy wanted to kill everyone, but Jack wouldn't want to kill everybody. Yeah. So it was just, it was just interesting what they, they were doing something there, and I wasn't sure what. So... Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to someone about Amara and how when she first came to Earth, everything died around her, too. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so I was wondering about that. If it could be Cass and Jack as Chuck and Amara. Oh, interesting. But again, I'd really rather they get rid of all of it. But Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because then where does Sam go in that? Like, if Dean takes over death, which is terrible, and he hated it the last time, maybe he could bring justice to it? I don't don't know. So does Sam just say on Earth, then? But I think we want bigger and better. Yeah, I, you know, things to to consider or or play with, fanfics to to be possible in the future. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I think that there's, there's very little that we know for sure. Except that I'm sure they're going to save the world. And I'm sure that Dean is going to have to... He's going to have to be honest with himself. And it took me 24 solid hours before I could even verbalize to myself in my head, even after a cast love confession, that we could canonically get by Dean. (gasps) Like, I couldn't... Like, 24 whole hours before in my head, I was like... Oh, he might say it too. <laughs> like, I couldn't even fathom it. Like, I couldn't. It took me so long to process the first half that I was like, oh, well, logically, there's going to be the other half. I can't even process that. Like, I can't. I can't. Do you remember the handprints? I sure do. The matching handprints? 
<laughs> you remember the clasped hands? The prayer hands that were clasped together? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for those who missed those episodes where we talk about this, in the episode where Jack comes back, there's a scene where Cass is talking to a sheriff and in the background there's this really odd choice of these two handprints side by side on the wall and they're really obviously Mm -hmm. there (laughs) they're not subtle they're like framed Mm -hmm. through several shots and everyone was going what the heck is that supposed to be our (laughs) crack off the wall theory (laughs) through our our friend sarah was it was alluding to the profound bonds so it's alluding to Cass's handprint on Dean but having two of them as a matched set indicating Dean and Cass as being a matched set and it was total crack theory right of just like it was pie in the sky like just lovely lovely ponderings that were just whimsical and fun and lovely like it and and we were like yes we're going with that because that is lovely and whimsical and like gosh darn it, there has to have been a reason that they did it. And this is the best one. This is like the most fun one. This is the the one that gets us most excited. Well, and now Cass has said, I love you. And everything's on the table. And it's overwhelming. Exactly. And when we were talking about it, I was talking about how you think about hands, you think about holding hands, you think about clasped hands. And then just in the Gimme Shelter episode, they had this prominently displayed <gasps> thing Oh, sorry. I just had like a, an extra thought. Finish that and then I'll share mine. Oh, okay. I oh, Okay. I'm really excited to hear it because that was a great gasp. It was. Um, yep. So in Gimme Shelter, there's this randomly prominently portrayed statue of prayer hands and it's like it's supposed to be God's hands, mm-hmm. but the hands are clasped together. So it brought me back to the Dusty Elves stuff with handprints on the wall and the matched set and the and the hands and how you hold hands and like blah 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 so it like to me it was like a oh that's cool but at that stage I had mostly lost hope so I was mm-hmm. going huh ah, yeah anyway but keep going yeah that's a conversation Cass was having with the pastor about a gay man who was living authentically <gasps> Mm-hmm. Like, it's all on the table now, Catherine. Like, it's overwhelming. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I'm calling it, like, right now. They're going to do it. I know. And I can't, like, I know, and I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. Christian, they're going to do it. I know. Like, I listened to our last subtext episode that was released before we recorded this one which was drag me away from you and (laughs) i'm listening to it and i hear how meh i am all the way through it because i had no hope (laughs) at all and it was at the point where it was like subtext is fun but it also kind of hurts because all of our conversations were getting so existential about representation and and why this is important. And like we said at the beginning of this episode about how we were sort of trying to manage the grief. And Mm. I was at the point where it was hard to get excited about 
anything because it just hurt. And mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> I just I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's all on the table. It's all Krisha, I'm calling possible. it. They're, I know. They're doing it. I know. And I It's like it's not just that it's possible, it's happening. Mm-hmm. We are going to get canonical by Dean to match set with canonical Castiel who's in love with Dean. <laughs> it, it's like I it's woke happening. up it's like I woke up in a different universe. I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to process it. I don't know how to to fully internalize it. And and I am like I don't know about you, but I'm like mentally preparing myself for 19 because I think that 19 is going to be brutal. I don't think I don't think we're going to start 19 with cast back like, hey, guys, I think it's going to be like really dark because it's Mm -hmm. the penultimate that it's of course, it's going to be really dark. That's what you do at that point. But but for those of us who are trying to maintain faith and hope for certain things, like going through that awful period, I think can can be. So I'm like trying to trying to gear up for that. Yeah, yeah. Because in storytelling, we've talked about this before. And it's funny because I thought that 18 was going to be like the right. lowest of the low points. Yeah. But it wasn't. At least not for, for me, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I know it was for a lot of people. But for me, it, it wasn't. But yeah, I think 19 is going to be rough mm-hmm. because of the writing trope which is like you you take things to their absolute darkest place mm-hmm. before things turn around so i think i think you're right i think if we get it it's going to be in 20 i think oh yeah so i you know again oh, yeah. managing expectation like i don't i don't see that happening mm-hmm. next week yeah no but we like i'm just again i'm i'm using definitive language and knocking on wood as I'm, I do so. I'm too scared. It's been too long. I believe it. I do, because I can't see another logical way. Literally nothing mm-hmm. else makes sense. But it's still hard to... There's a lot that's changed in my world in the last three days. And all yeah. of it is very good. And after yeah. the last four years, and especially after the last nine months, it's going to take a minute for some of this to settle in. Yeah. That's okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I'm going to listen to Cass say I love you anytime I need a little boost because that's the most romantic thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. Truly the most romantic declaration. The, the biggest payoff of, of any slow burn love story ever. And it's not over yet, because we still have two more to go. That's right. That's right. (sighs) Krisha. I can't believe we're having this conversation. Okay. Neither can I. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But we've been talking for, like, almost four hours at this point, so probably... We should wrap it. Absolutely. We should stop saying, I can't believe it. Because I would spend the next 20 minutes just saying, but I can't believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> Neither can I. It's like, whew. Yeah. I need to share just very quickly here at the end. 
that I have those cardboard stand-ups of Cass and Dean, and they are directly facing me, so I can see them kind of over my computer monitors. And then I also have that beautiful piece of art that you got me for Christmas, I think it was, or maybe it was my birthday. I think it was your birthday, yeah. And who is the artist on that? Is that Jackie? No, that's Gio. God, she's good. Yeah. Um, That's to my left, uh, and it's Dean and Cass kissing. And the level of distracted that I have been (laughs) while at my desk for the last two days (laughs) is, like, next level listen i drank from my dusty l jackie d art mug today and went ha it's real (laughs) 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 it's canon (laughs) they used to be just lovely dreams that i kept around the office you know like oh that's nice that's a nice thought and now i'm like oh my god though Yes. Like, he loves him. He, you, you with the trench coat. You love him. You said so. I heard you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm starting to spiral again. I'm starting to spiral. I know. It's, it's, I mean, it's spiral worthy. Okay. Listen, we knew it was going to be a massive episode, but even I didn't think we'd go to almost four hours. But yes, thank you for hanging in there because this was long, mm-hmm. even edited. This is going to be really long. Mm-hmm. So thank you for hanging in there to squee with us. And thank you for eating your kale before you <laughs> eat the delicious apple pie that was the ending. Um, they're both delicious in different ways. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's hard for me to qualify kale as delicious, but like I, mean, I didn't, see your point. Didn't you eat the kale that was like done the Misha way with the? Yes, it was nice. It wasn't pie, but it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We will wrap it there for this episode. Whew, Krisha. I know. Dustiel is canon. It is. <laughs> Yay. You can message us and stay up to date with the latest on our Twitter page and Instagram page, which are at the fangirl biz. That's B-I-Z or B-I-Z. We will see you again next time. Until then, carry on, wayward friends. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>